All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Thursday, February 16th. F it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. I'm Pat. And Clayton, the MCU is back, and the MCU is the biggest thing in movies, so we couldn't do this episode with just the two of us. As big as we are, as important as we are, we needed to bring in some reinforcements. So from the direct podcast... Our official Marvel and comic books correspondent. The expert is here, David Thompson, back on the show. Welcome, David. Thank you guys for having me so much. It's really funny. Um, before I was the main uh, co-host over at the Direct Podcast, when I would join them typically, you know, for segments like this, I would be the box office correspondent. So it's just funny. Uh-huh. It depends on wherever I am. You know, maybe I'm the box office guy. Maybe I'm the Marvel guy. Today I'm the Marvel guy, and I guess also the box office guy. But you guys are truly the B.O. boys, the box office guys in the room. I'm just happy to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me today. And yeah, this is a fun one. Phase five, for those that care, Marvel fans, phase five is upon us. It is beginning. Marvel's next marketing scheme is here in 2023, and I'm excited to break it all down. I love that you you call it a marketing scheme and you are genuinely excited. It's that that is... You're like the perfect Marvel viewer where you see the tricks, you know uh, that the man is behind the curtain pretending to be the wizard, but you're still excited to meet the quote unquote wizard. You still love it. Absolutely. I truly, the thing I find most interesting and fascinating to write about and read about and talk about is the man behind the curtain, is the making of Mm -hmm. the films, is the marketing scheme. And if they're always going to work, because this is going to be a big test, <laughs> I, I think. I think Ant-Man 3 coming out this weekend is going to be a big test for Marvel going forward. And, you mm-hmm. know, it may not just be the opening box office. You know, uh, I was telling it to one of my friends earlier, Marvel has become a bit like lighting a tree, a Christmas tree on fire, where it burns, mm-hmm. it burns hot, blazing really fast. But then how long does it really last? Not, not too long, right? Um, right so it'll right. be interesting in terms of Ant-Man how hot that initial fire gets and how long it's going to last because obviously the reviews are coming out not too great. But of course, I'm still genuinely excited for this. <laughs> despite the reviews, despite what I've heard from people that I'm literally friends with about how they didn't like the film, I'm still so excited to go see this thing this weekend. Okay. Now, you mentioned reviews. This is only the second Marvel film to have a rotten score, mm. the first being The Eternals. Now, usually these Ant-Man movies, I mean, they are never, you know, huge Buffa Bobo barn burners, but they usually do pretty well. And they're usually to the side of the Marvel saga. They're like a comment on it or like they're just a little amouche-bouche in between these kind of uh, big, huge movies. But this one feels like it's a building block. It's the beginning of phase five. They're kicking off a phase with an Ant-Man movie. Yeah. And so that makes people think this is going to be bigger than other Ant-Man movies. But what? how are you feeling? Because the tracking has gone down here from 120 to like 95. Yeah. And it's understandable. I do, I, since day one, I've been preaching that bringing Kang, Jonathan Major's Kang character, Kang the Conqueror, this giant new, he's going to be in the title of the next Avengers movie, huge character, villain in this whole MCU arc as the main villain in Ant-Man 3, is a brilliant marketing move and just business move for this franchise. As you said so eloquently, Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man the Wasp, as it's called, 
are really just additive. They're supplemental within the MCU. And then when Ant-Man appears in Avengers and in Captain America Civil War, it's delightful and he plays his role. Specifically those two films, Ant-Man comes out in, I believe, July after an Avengers movie. So kind of like a, mm-hmm. an epilogue. Once again, Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out right after another Avengers movie, you know, three years later. And it it takes place before that Avengers movie in the timeline. So it's even more of a just additive supplemental thing that doesn't really matter to that overarching story until once again, like I said, he appears in an Avengers movie. In this case, they're saying, like you said, this is the beginning of a phase. This is the beginning of Kang the Conqueror in the MCU. You must go see this in order to truly understand what's going to happen in the next Avengers movie, which they know a ton Millions and millions of people are going to go see. So it's a smart move to get people excited about Ant-Man. And I'm sure it'll lead to the highest grossing opening weekend in the Ant-Man franchise. But that that's not kind of a low bar compared to other Marvel right. uh, franchises. So it's like it's a bit of a lifeline, in my opinion. And it's amazing to think we're getting an Ant-Man trilogy, you know, before like a Superman trilogy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. here we are. And. According to everything that I've been seeing, and who knows, I'm so excited to go check it out. This is the next Marvel movie, not really the next Ant-Man movie. Like, this is just here to push the larger narrative forward, which I'm sure will delight me in certain moments, but may not lead to the best, you know, two-hour experience. So let's, I want to step back for a second, and because you're, you're an MCU expert, what is the the fan base uh, feeling on the MCU right now? You know, like, I mean, everything we've heard is that phase four, you know, the post end game phase has been a little bit of a disappointment. You know, you've had the uh, the the rare sort of, I'd say, full on misfire from the MCU with the with Eternals. And even though that did still for a misfire open at 75 million and would it end up at probably like 180 million domestic, something like that, uh, got to 164. So that, you know, that is a MCU level bomb. So is there, is there Marvel fatigue right now? You know, is, is that real or is that wish casting from the, maverick fans who just want movies to be like they were in the 90s again and want this whole superhero thing to go the way the cowboy is is marvel in any kind of trouble was phase four disappointment or is that all nonsense and people are as in it as ever Uh, no no it's a huge question um i think there is some marvel fatigue i think there's marvel fatigue specifically with general audiences uh, there was some re- research, excuse me, that came out a few months ago. It was very fascinating. I wish I could, could attribute who it was by. But it basically was showing off different types of fans, right? Those, like, number one highest level fans of, say, Marvel, they're going to defend those movies. You know, like they're really going to, mm-hmm. like, vouch for them. And that group, I think, is growing maybe even stronger than before. Because these additive stories on Disney+, Plus, you know, Miss Marvel and Loki and Moon Knight and the Hawkeye show with Kate Bishop. Like these are amazing comic storylines coming to life for a lot of big Marvel fans. But if you're a general moviegoer or just someone who, you know, casually enjoys a good Avengers movie every once in a while, 
the homework is getting much harder to keep track of. So me as a Marvel fan, I've enjoyed everything they've put out. Honestly, like I was higher on Multiverse of Madness. I was higher on Love and Thunder. I absolutely adored Miss Marvel, the show. Now, not everything's been perfect. I haven't loved everything for sure. I think the quality in general has taken a dip. But Disney and Marvel have admitted that. They've basically said that they're going to be relooking at, well, I think with Iyer coming back, that's part of it too. Like, you know, it's costing a lot of money, <laughs> you know, to put all these mm-hmm. movies out in theaters and to be producing all these Disney Plus shows, which are very expensive. And then you get in all these, you know, you don't want to keep getting made fun of, like for She-Hulk, which was a VFX disaster. Right. Um, right. So I think there is some fatigue in the sense that it's really hard to keep up. And the quality isn't quite as there. Like people didn't really like Love and Thunder. You know, there's a lot of people that hated that movie that thought this is trash. Mm. People were let down by Multiverse of Madness. It made a shit ton of money. It almost made a billion dollars quietly in the corner, right? Mm-hmm. You know, while Maverick was off, you know, saving the galaxy from theater destruction. Yes. Multiverse of Madness also made nearly a billion dollars, by the way. And then Wakanda Forever, for those that went and saw it, which was still plenty was a great film. You know, it was it was definitely like a high quality Marvel flick. And I think what people are getting at is, or what's happening right now, there's less trust. And this Ant-Man movie, if it doesn't hit, I started off today, like this is a big moment. Mm-hmm. If it really doesn't hit, like it seems like it's not based on initial critical reactions, they like they're losing trust. And that's, I think, the issue. Right. There's uh, a lack of desire to keep up with everything. Like you're not seeing... One thing I'll say is that what's got people into the MCU, which was, hey, if you pay attention to every single movie, you're going to feel so just validated. And it's going to be so cool when you go see that Avengers movie because you know how it we got there. But now you have to watch all these little shows and they're really not adding up as much as they used to because they're so widespread. Phase four was mm-hmm. very widespread where you didn't see as many pieces of connective tissue where it seems like in phase five, we're going to get back to more of that leading to an eventual Avengers film at the end of phase six. But I just feel like some fans and some moviegoers are just thinking that some of the movies are lacking quality, like Love and Thunder specifically. And they're not really getting rewarded like they once were for doing their homework, quote unquote, right? For seeing every solo project. And now it's all these TV shows are just hours and hours of content. Yeah, I mean, you kind of set up the selling point of Ant-Man and Quantumania earlier in the show by saying this is going to be necessary for people who want to understand Phase 5. And that does start to feel like these movies are homework when the selling point is, hey, if you want to understand the other movies, whether you like it or not, you got to see this movie, you know. 50% 50% critic score. And listen, we're not critics, huh? Critics huh. aren't everything, huh? huh? Especially with superhero movies. But you do want the selling point of a movie to be more than, well, you're not going to understand the one you really want to see if you don't see this. Uh, they're they're in a tricky spot because you get why they had to do all those shows. You know, the, the Disney ordered it to be so. They needed this content. But I do think... You know, sort of what you said, the shows gave people a chance to opt out altogether because there was a point in time when it was pretty easy. You watch two, maybe three Marvel movies in the theater a year and you're keeping up. 
But once you get to a point where you've got to watch all these shows, then you miss a show or two, then you miss a movie, which you never did before. Listen, I, I'm not the biggest superhero fan, but I ended up watching every Marvel movie in the movie theater through Endgame. And then when the show started, I didn't see Eternals in the theater. And I have not seen Wakanda Forever in the theater because they no longer feel like I got to see every one because I have missed the shows. So it's interesting if these last few years have done damage where they've allowed the Marvel fans to feel like I could pick and choose in a way where before you really couldn't pick and choose. You had to see everything. Well, the the, the interconnectedness of these Marvel films started out as a fun novelty. They started out as an addition, something fun added onto movies that began and ended. And now it's just links in a chain. And that is the, I mean, that's the strength of Marvel in a way, because again, when you get hardcore fans who need to see everything, then you get repeat buyers. You get people who come back, right? But then general audiences say, that chain is already too long. I don't want to hop back on this. So you will get people who checked out. And I listen, I, I am no fan of Marvel. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows. I was checked out before Endgame. Uh, I, wa- I went to see it uh, because I had to. But then you and did love that, Endgame. You did, I did love not it. Love, I did not love Endgame. That we- is a false that's a lie that's that's you are slandering me i could listen i could dig up the audio from a previous version of this a pre-bo boys podcast that we used to do in which we were more like critics huh Huh? and we would review movies huh? huh and we did an end game episode where you did what i probably assume was an eloquent speech talking about how marvel was your star wars after Endgame, you were very, what? very, yes. No, I never. I know ever. you. I know you David, edit this gonna, show. Sorry, you're privy to this. I would never say that number one, anything is my Star Wars because Star Wars stinks, and I hate Star Wars. Right, right. <laughs> so that's not a good thing. Marvel is not my Star Wars. Are you insane? All right. Jackass is my, if anything's my Star Wars, Jackass is my Star Wars. We're, You'll never find audio that says any of these things. All right. Well, I, I may have to edit this episode of the B.O. Boys because this is where I now insert, you know, five-year-old footage of Clayton talking about I'll, Endgame I'll, as a Star I'll give Wars. you something to insert. Buddy. Wow, this is if you keep this up. This sorry, is, David. I know this is this is not a side of the BO boys you normally see. Um, this is this is turning into a third act um of a Marvel movie where the, the heroes just go at it in outer space. This is my this is effects, the fight of the century. My glitchy effects are better than any of the, the special effects they have in these Marvel movies. So I want to turn this back to you, David. We've been uh we've been we've been talking some some uh some s about the mcu we're trying to keep it clean for the kids yeah and uh, i feel like now going down a pessimistic road ant-man and quantumadia one of the big selling points does seem to be you mentioned him earlier jonathan majors as this kang character yes Yes? yep i was i always want to say krang because listen i'm a ninja turtles guy i want to say krang but it's kang can you tell us is this 
why is this such a huge selling point? You know, is it just the fact that Jonathan Majors is hot and this is a huge year for him and they're sort of getting him at the right time in this? Or what is Kang, is he going to be phase defining? Is this character that big? Is this character going to be specifically a real boon for the box office? What What is the appeal of Kang, Jonathan Majors in this movie? Yeah, so I think it started with Loki season finale. Spoilers. Um, a variant of Kang. Basically, Jonathan Majors appears in the episode. Um, and Loki deals with a lot of time jumping, um, time travel, variants, multiverse, all this fun, nerdy comic book stuff. And at the end of it, there was the Jonathan Majors character who was not named Kang. He was called He Who Remains. And he warned them of his variants if he kills, if they kill him. Essentially, that character dies. And now we're going to be basically in, which is cool for nerd like me. I loved Loki, that show. And seeing from a TV show now into the movies, the effect of that. And then we're going to get Loki season two later this year. So things are starting to connect. Talked about that connective fibers. Uh, we're starting to get those, it seems like, heading into phase five. Kang is the next big bad. There was Thanos in phase through phases one through three. And it's a different game plan um, where there's not going to be Avengers movies like there was before where there was Loki and there was Ultron and then it got to Thanos. This is just going to jump straight into the next big bad and the end of the multiverse saga, their next big marketing gimmick for all intents and purposes. You know, like how they're mm -hmm. trying to market this thing and get people excited because it's all very multiversal. So Kang in this, the, the trick with him, guys, by the way, is there's always several Kangs typically. Like, I will be surprised okay. if I don't, like, like already in the MCU, we, we've already basically gotten one. We're going to have two in Ant-Man. My guess is more than one in Ant-Man um, because he's a character that he's called Kang the Conqueror, which is a silly name. But he really, he literally, like, conquers time. Like, he okay. conquer conqueror because he's, like, from the future. He can time travel. And he conquers, like, in the past, present, and future, basically. And he's the most, I would say, power-hungry um, villain in Marvel history where he gen more than Thanos. Thanos wasn't that power hungry. Thanos just mm -hmm. had a mission. Thanos just wanted to, he, he believed he was doing the right thing. He was the hero of his own mm -hmm. story. You know, he was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to free the universe of poverty and famish and death and destruction by killing half of it. That, that was his right, answer. Right. Um, but Kang, well, in the, in the comic books, he wanted to bang death. Right. See, and I'm glad they, get, they left that out of, uh, of the, the MCU because that wouldn't have made sense. There was some allusions to it, but never, you know, never officially like the best one is at the, the stinger at the end of the original event, the original Avengers movie where like, um, to fight them is to court death. His like minion says mm -hmm. to him and he just turns around and grins. And those that knew Thanos yeah. like has the hots for death. I was like, that's amazing. Um, but Kang is more of, I would say power hungry. And mm -hmm. the thing with him is he may appear in this movie, like Jonathan majors, He's going to be in a lot for Marvel. This film, probably Loki again for season two. And then from then on, then on, who knows? It's going to be a Kang watch. We're just going to see where he appears. And then finally, an Avengers Kang dynasty. Now, I will say, like, we're here. This is the B.O. Boys box office. And yep. he's going to be in a, some big box office films, or at least they should be big box office films. And this is the first of those. But narratively in the MCU, this character must hit in this movie. 
Like mm. if if Kang, if Jonathan Majors and Kang were a letdown in this film, that would be catastrophic because he Got really it. is going to be the new big bad and he's going to have a movie with his name in it. Like that's how big he's going to be. Um, but by everything I've seen, he's the bright spot. Like, like he's the part that everyone's okay. Loving. Um, and then obviously he's going to be in uh, Creed three as well. Now with these variants, they all have to look like him or is there a possibility of say, you know, someone like, listen, Jack Nicholson comes out of retirement. He wants to play Kang for five minutes. I mean, are the variants all exactly the same or can they look different? Complicated question. I would say the answer is they could look different because Marvel, here's also a big critique I will say about phase four and Marvel right now is, and me and Matt recently, recently talked about this on the direct podcast is they need to really set some ground rules more so about time travel, the multiverse and variants, because since Endgame, yes. no way home, um, multiverse of madness. And even in miss Marvel, um, there's just not really a good blueprint for how the MCU works necessarily. Loki, I would say, tries to kind of paint you a picture, but even then it doesn't all totally add up. I will say in most versions of variants we've seen so far, they haven't looked the same. No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland. Mm. They're all the same person um, technically in the story, but it's from different universes, look totally the same and can be at different points in their life. That's something with right. Kang that's a big deal. Um, there's a younger version of Kang in the comics that is actually more of a hero. Um, it's a version of Kang that is young and discovers time travel and actually tries to stop his older self. So that's why I say, by the way, that most Kang stories that I've read in comics, they always have another Kang around. <laughs> there's, there's always okay. another Nathaniel Richards. And by the way, uh, Nathaniel Richards is Kang's real name um, in the comics, and he is a descendant of Reed Richards, otherwise known as Mr. Fantastic. Okay, so that leads me to, you know, I, I don't want any spoilers, I guess, if you already know people who've seen the movie, but with Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, the big selling point of that movie seemed to be come out opening weekend, we got a lot of crazy shit in this, we got... You know, there's going to be cameos. There's going to be just weirdness. You know, maybe, maybe you'll get the debut of some characters, all that. Is that a selling point at all with Ant-Man and Quantumania? Do, are fans expecting that Wolverine's going to show up or the Fantastic Four are going to show up? Or is the selling point really Kang is in the trailer, Kang's in this movie, and you're going to get what's been advertised you know are people expecting the dr strange cameo fest for this no uh simple answer is no um and part of multiverse of madness was also riding the high of no way home um and i think people would have been less less let down by the multiverse of madness cameos if the initial plan by the way was multiverse of madness came out first then no way home and they tweak mm -hmm. some of the story stuff because the no way home cameos look i'm a i'm a biggest spider-man fan you know no, nothing's topping that. <laughs> like nothing's topping right, right. No Way Home in terms of the cameos and the beauty. Jim from The Office didn't top it. No, that was, and that's unfortunate too, because looking forward, he doesn't seem like he's going to return as the character. So he was kind of just like the worst Reed Richards ever because he wasn't even very mm -hmm. smart. 
he just he 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 made a goofball move, and he's supposed to be the literally the most brilliant human in the world. So no, I, <laughs> he also filmed that scene from from his podcasting room. Yeah. You know, like that was yeah. in that was in his basement. He had to move uh, exercise equipment out of the way, yeah, so that he could film his cameo in that Avengers. Yeah, movie. he cut from A Quiet Place Part Two and was like, "All right, I got to do this really quick." Emily, um, yes. yes, yeah, Emily, Emily Blunt held the phone for the, his cameo in Doctor Strange. So, um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think. The, the the draw to this one really is Kang, and we've already kind of talked to about him at, at nauseum at this point. Yeah. But on the poster, it's like a new dynasty begins, and the next Avengers movie is going to be called Avengers Kang Dynasty. So mm-hmm. it re- like that that tagline to me really shows like, hey, we're going to the quantum realm. That's where Kang is. There's going to be some multiversal elements to it, but what it's really going to be is the kicking off point to whatever the main villain arc i would say is of the mcu going forward and in my opinion i'm like that's what gets me stoked about it because i'm so excited to see that um i i think in phase four no way home really was the shining star of that entire phase which was a joint you know feature between sony and disney and kind of just was its Mm -hmm. own unique thing but it truly lives on its own even though it's inherently in the mcu and has to do with the multiverse where the story is just fantastic. Like the ending of that mm-hmm. film is just heartbreaking. And it's really, a, mm-hmm. it's a great origin story, even though it's a third <laughs> in a franchise for Spider-Man. And I think that's what the MCU has actually been missing in like Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder. Um, Wakanda Forever did a great job. But what it seems to be like an Ant-Man is they need to just make they need to use these tools like the multiverse and time travel and all these crazy, wacky, comic booky things to make good stories, not the other way around, not force a story into these zany ideas, which we'll see. I haven't, I haven't seen the movie. Um, others have. But if that's what they're going to keep doing, they've got to get better writers. They have to rethink the universe because people are going to get disengaged. There's some great movies that come out every weekend at the movie theater. And at a certain point, people aren't going to be interested in going to see a CGI fest from Marvel when every two years you can go see 10 times better CGI at an Avatar movie (laughs) and just call it a a day. Just go see Avatar. Well, uh, that's a great call because I think what's happening here, and I know you know earlier you were mentioning uh, Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick, and and there is a little tinge of you know I don't I don't want to add something to what you said about Maverick, but you know Maverick getting all of these accolades for saving theaters and and Doctor Strange doing Buffa Bobo as well, right? But there is something about Maverick that is unique because it is practical effects. It works with the weight of history on characters the way Marvel should and sometimes does at its best, but they just nailed Maverick in a way that none of these Marvel movies have nailed it maybe ever or at least in uh, five to seven years. And then you mentioned Avatar, The Way of Water. You know, why – we watched the Flash trailer – uh, and we talked about it last episode. Now, no, we're talking DC. We're not talking Marvel. But it suffers from that same issue that Marvel does, that it looks like a video game. 
Ant-Man and the Quantum Realm, when you see these commercials, they look like video game graphics. And you can't get away with that now when you have Avatar, The Way of Water, which is a truly immersive experience. And you just don't have that with Marvel. And so they need to at least get a quarter of the way to that or, you know, half of the way to that if they're going to succeed. Because it is, it's just not enough anymore to do what they were doing before. It's just not. People are now looking at Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water and seeing an evolution in what is possible. Well, I would. Yeah, I mean, I'll go I for was just going to say, especially like you're saying, in blockbuster films. You know, that's kind of what you're getting mm-hmm. at, Clayton, in blockbuster films. Because Marvel has yes. redefined. redefined the blockbuster, you know, that that's really what's happened here. And I think there may be that pendulum swing back a little bit with the Top Gun Mavericks of the world, with Avatar The Way of Water, which very different practical and then, you know, CGI effects. And they both they both are so well crafted at what they were trying to do in terms of their effects. The practical of Maverick, the incredible CGI of Avatar. I saw that thing in IMAX one time and it was a... I mean, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience. And I don't even like 3D, but I, I had those glasses on. I had my my six eyes glasses on and I had a good time with it. But I do think Marvel's secret sauce, we talked about it earlier, the it going every movie being a sequel to the big to the previous one is its special secret, right? Where everything is connected. And that's what DC wants to do eventually, obviously, and has been trying to do, but and been failing at it. But at the same time, while that's still going to be profitable and, you know, make a ton of money and, and obviously, you know, sell a ton of merch and get people excited, I do think there is a certain audience that's just way more interested in these, not one-off necessarily, because both Maverick and Way of Water were sequels, um, but just more interesting blockbusters, something different, you know, something that we haven't really seen in a while. And that's, I think, that... You know, we talked about legacy sequels as well uh, previously, and that's really for Avatar as well, even though it wasn't as long. That's, I think, what helped those movies because it had been a while. You know, Marvel, you can't get enough. It's just it's it's right. constant, um, which is a positive. And now we're today really talking about those negatives in terms of the kind of the quantity over quality that Marvel's been going for lately. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the shows and them deciding how much of that they really gonna are going to want to make is going to have a big effect on the movies because you talked about having better stories. They're spreading their talent thin by having, you know, a TV show going at all times. You know, these are all writers who maybe should be working on the movies or you're taking your movie talent and having them run, you know, sort of mediocre streaming shows. So I think that's going to be a big thing for Marvel to decide. But they really don't have to do it unless the box office starts going down. You know, obviously, they didn't have a billion-dollar hit with Thor Love and Thunder. They didn't get to a billion dollars with Wakanda Forever. Not that that necessarily has to be the barometer, but in the there was a point where it seemed like those would have been billion dollars for sure, and they didn't get there. So... I, I I don't know what that point would be that would make them rethink what they're doing. You know, uh, they haven't had their Black Adam moment yet. Uh, I guess the Eternals is a Black Adam moment, but that was still 
kind of pandemic times when that came out. But this, you know, and and I don't think Quantumania is going to be that. But I think you're you're going to maybe see that in the next year or two where Marvel does have the movie box office misstep that might make them rethink how they're going about things. Well, Feige just had a big interview that was released where he's talking about how there was there is a form of fatigue here and how he's going to combat it. He is even talking about it. He's saying less TV shows. Okay. He's going to figure something out. He's talking about it because it exists and it was in the zeitgeist and now it is being talked about. Now, you know, he did this interview and he talked about everything except for Ant-Man. So, you know, he's saying we're going to do this to fix it. We're going to do this to fix it. You wait till this movie comes out. Wait till this movie comes out, making all these announcements. And he wasn't like, this is a great movie. You must see it. He did not say that. So I don't know if he's trying to say, hey, I know there's an issue here. And so this thing is going to come out and it's going to underperform. But trust me, trust me. There seems to be some damage control happening before this movie comes out. And there should be because it was tracking at 120 and now it's tracking under 100. Mm. That is bad. And I know it's an Ant-Man movie, but for what they were aiming for, which was a, you know, Doctor Strange uh, step up because this is going to have a huge, you know, integral part of the Marvel Universe unfold in it. This is bad. And Kevin Feige knows it. And then you got Bob Iger doing an interview where he said, I almost uh, S-canned this guy in 2015. So nobody's safe. Like, I don't understand what's going on over there. I will say, um, I think it would take a lot, getting back to that initial point of like the Black Adam of the MCU. I think it would take a lot. I think even Eternals, you know, Eternals made like 400 million globally at the end of the day too. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge hit. I do blame some of it on when it was released. Um, the reviews weren't great. Uh, it was a long movie as well. It wasn't a sequel. It was a new idea. And it was released in between Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi was a bigger hit. Um, and it had a great Labor Day opening weekend. And then obviously No Way Home came out the next month after Eternals. So it's like, if you're going to skip a Marvel movie, it's going to be Eternals, not No Way Home. And especially at that time, even then, less people were heading out to the movie theater. Uh, we're seeing a little bit more now, obviously, especially since the summer of 2022, where it really... Felt, it felt like it was back for a few weeks there, and then it slowed down, and now we're heading into this giant 2023 run. Um, it's going to take a lot. I think it won't. Ant-Man, I think they tried to raise the ceiling with Kang, and I think at the end of the day, it's not going to, because of the quality of the film, and I haven't seen it yet, so it's hard to talk about the quality just based on the critics. Not a critic. Um, huh. Thank you. Um, going for, it's not going to be Ant-Man that does it for them. It's Ant-Man's still going to be profitable. Ant-Man's opening in China, by the way, a huge point in all of this. Uh, we'll see how it does. You know, I know I saw, uh, Wakanda forever opened up there like last week or so to a very like quiet, you know, Chinese release. But if Ant-Man does well in China, that's a big deal globally. And I think it would really need to take like something, I mean, Guardians 3 is going to do great when that comes out in May. That's mm -hmm. that's going to be massive. It would take like the Marvels in July, I think, to really tank because Captain Marvel in 2019 made a billion dollars. Um, right. And the Marvels, I think, should make a lot of money. It's going to be a fun summer flick. And 
the first, the, the, the initial, the predecessor made a ton of, of money. So I think it would take one of these projects that is projected to make like in the 800 to a billion range to make like 450 globally or something like that, right? Because right? even like a, an eternal Shang-Chi, they didn't have those expectations. But so far, we're talking Wakanda Forever, even Love and Thunder. We talked, we talked about Doctor Strange. They've all been successful. You know, there really hasn't right. been. That's what I would keep telling people that, you know, talk about fatigue. And I agree there is some. I think more so with the TV shows than the movies, but it's all adding mm -hmm. together. Look at the box office. Like these movies are still right. huge hit. They're still some of the biggest movies of the year. And they're going to be like, I know Ant-Man's, you know, opening numbers are going to be lower, but this is still going to be one of the biggest hits of the year. And Guardians 3, especially, I think is going to be one of the biggest hits of the year. And then 2024, when that comes around, a bunch of big ones as well. So it's going to be hard because it is so established. And I think some of that establishment is kind of hurting it when Disney wanted there to be such a Disney plus expansion which I personally kind of blame Disney a little bit because it's pretty obvious, yes. it's pretty obvious, you know, with Star Wars and Marvel and they continue to lean into those things. Like they don't really create any great new original content. If you really think about the company, um, especially yeah. on Disney plus, like you see a lot more uh, intuitive, fun, I would say shows on like an HBO or even like Hulu, like with their FX deal, things like that, where Disney plus, it's got kids shows and it's got Marvel and Star Wars in terms of new content coming out. And that's kind of it. Yet they still have, you know, tens of millions of subscribers to watch those things. And I'm one of them. Yeah, I think the the effect of Bob Chapstick on Disney is akin to what Thanos did. You know, it's the the Bob Chapstick reign is sort of like the snap and it's going to reverberate for a long, long time, you know, what, what he did with those shows. Listen, here's the thing. We're box office analysts, but we are theatrical fans. I want the MCU to continue to do Baffa Bobo for the rest of my life because it's good for movie theaters. So I am hoping, and again, they don't have to write a sinking ship. This ship is obviously nowhere near sinking, but there's, you could spot a hole somewhere so i want them to plug the holes and continue to be strong because endgame was great for movie theaters spider-man no way home these movies are great for theaters to allow other movies then to continue to exist um so i just when i see something like a 50 percent on rotten tomatoes start to see the quantum mania tracking dip 20 30 million dollars in the last two weeks it makes me think I just want them to plug these holes because theatrical, I think, needs Marvel to continue to do what they're doing. You know, we want other options, but we don't want Marvel to go away. The theaters don't want them to go away. The popcorn manufacturers do not want them to go away. So I'm just hoping that they figure it out. We're always rooting for box office in the end. Oh, absolutely. Because you don't, like you said, you don't want these things to go away because that means other smaller movies have no place to be seen. Right. Like a man called Otto cannot exist where tent poles don't exist. They ju it just can't. Right. And right. so that's why you need, I don't have to see them. Right. I mean, they can exist and I don't have to see them. And that's, I think, the thing that 
you know, people confuse my dislike for these films is I dislike them because I don't, I have no interest in them, but that doesn't mean I want them to fail because again, box office analyst, B.O. boy for life, these things make money and that is good for theatrical, right? I mean, it's like theatrical. I mean, they sell candy and there's certain candies I don't like, but I'm not going to say don't sell, uh, you know, uh, jujubes because right. I don't like them. Right. And it's right. like jujubes sell to a lot of people. Right. I can have snow caps. It's exactly. fine. Exactly. So that said, let's get down to brass tacks. Ooh, Opening yeah. weekend, Ant-Man and Quantumania. Is the Wasp here? Just one more aside before we get into the numbers. David Thompson, what is the what is the state of the Wasp? Because this movie is actually called Ant Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. I see very little Wasp in any trailers. I've started to listen to some Paul Rudd interviews. You know, he was on Flying the Wall with David Spade and Dana Carvey, best SNL cast, and not once did he mention the Wasp. Uh, are they? Speaking of phases, are they phasing the wasp out here? What, what is the deal with the wasp? Um, yeah, Evangeline Lilly is here. She is the wasp. Um, I I do think this is a title, Ant Man the Wasp: Quantumania. That's kind of forced because of their their sequel name, which was Ant Man and the Wasp. Because mm-hmm. by all accounts and all reports, the wasp is not the second leading star in this film. Um, this, okay. I would say, and you can tell by, you know, the graphic design of some of these posters, Quantumania, this, this movie, in my opinion, guys, like as a fan, it should be called Quantumania with Ant-Man. Like that, honestly, yes. is how I, like, I think it's how they approach this movie. That's what they want this movie to tell. They want them to tell this quantum story, this multiverse Kang story. Um, and Ant-Man's going to be there. Paul Rudd's going to be there. And so will the Wasp, but I don't think we're going to get any cool Wasp fight scenes or anything like that. I don't think we're going to get any big hero moments. She might she might bite the bullet in this one. I think people uh, okay. from this franchise, from Ant-Man, um, Michael Douglas included, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, they may they may bite the dust in this movie. Um, and it'll, you know, hopefully lead to some kind of, uh, you know, galvanizing moment between Paul Rudd and his daughter, Cassie. Uh, Catherine Newton mm-hmm. is taking over that role and it's probably going to be a new like young hero in this film. So we'll see. But uh, I think I think the Wasp is going to be on the bench in this movie. Yeah. Well, she's there to bridge to Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas because they are the I guess sh- she is uh, the original Wasp. Yeah. Uh, it's Janet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is. So okay. I mean, you 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 want to have a you do need the wasp there to like create that bridge. I also think Evangeline Lilly is not uh very media. She's she doesn't court the media. She's not somebody who really likes to do a lot of interviews. And I think that's probably why she wasn't part of this press cycle because there's nothing she could do. Uh, that Paul Rudd can't do with his charm offensive. I mean, the guy is so charming and he continues to be one of the most likable people in Hollywood. So why, when you have the A team, why would you send out the C team? No offense to her, but like nobody beats Paul Rudd when it comes to sitting on a couch and smiling. I think in this film, like top casting wise, really in order of like importance, it's Jonathan Majors, it's Paul Rudd, 
it's Catherine Newton as Cassie, who's her first time being in the MCU as this character, and it's going to be like kind of a new star, hopefully. I because that's the other thing with the franchise as well, with, with Marvel in general, they're going younger. It's new heroes. Mm. It's not these established, you know, ten poles like they had in Doctor Strange and Thor, but there hasn't been all of that, right? There isn't also Iron Man. There's going to be a Captain America movie with a new Captain America. You know, it's going to be Anthony okay. Mackie, um, you know, holding the shield. And then I also think Michelle Pfeiffer is really going to be a key character in this movie more than she was in the first two, especially, you know, she wasn't really in the first one because she's the one that lived in the quantum realm for a while. So I think she's going to have a huge role in this film. Like, I think she's going to be like one of the, you know, characters with the highest screen time, <laughs> I suppose. I okay. think she's really going to play a huge role. And by all reports, it seems like she really does have a leading role in this one. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, the way they're advertising the wasp or putting it in these, in these posters is sort of like, do you remember when there was the OJ book, if I did it, and then the rights to that book got, got taken by the parents of the, the guy that he killed. And then they just published it and it just said, I did it. And then the, if, if I was like very tiny, tiny font, I feel like the, if I, is what they're doing to the wasp. You know, yeah, it was the Goldman family. The Goldman family, yes. Absolutely. Uh, it, uh, it was a long time ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. I, but you you just are always rewatching OJ documentaries. I have that book on my bookshelf. Well, I, I don't have, but my bookshelf's behind me and I have one, I have two copies, one in hardback and one in, uh, that I bought at the airport. Wow. All right. Well, but, but you know what I'm saying? They're, 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 if I, I, did, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So, all right, here we go. Brass tacks opening weekend, Ant-Man, the wasp, Quantumania, whatever the hell this movie is called. It's going to be huge. The tracking is starting to go down the last few weeks. The reviews, like we said, not great. 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not great. This is the first big, big movie that we've had probably since Avatar, you know, the first time we could expect, can a movie do 80 plus million opening weekend? It's been going on two months now. So there is definitely a hunger. People hunger for a gigantic blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Do we think the tracking is right? Do we think this is really going to open under a hundred or, you know, Eternals open to 75. Shang-Chi open to what? 90 million uh, uh, you know, uh, back in but that wasn't that a four day? Th that's the thing. Is here's the thing, right? We'll I do think a the three day. The, yeah, I think the big question here is: Does it get over a hundred in the three day? Because that's I think it gets over in the four day, and that's all that's going to be reported, right? But the three day, will it be over a hundred? I think that is the big question. I mean, it's it's a good thing that this thing's opening with a four day because you can always hide behind. Oh yeah, four day. It was over a hundred. The opening was over because wasn't Shang Chi a four yeah. day? Huge labor yes. day. And that labor. ninety was four yeah. day. Yeah. Right. So therefore, it didn't open to that in the three day. It was in the seventies, I think, in the three day, right? Seventy six or something like that. So I do think when we say what we think this is going to do, we're talking three day, and then we can say four day. Okay. Okay. Um. So then I'll start with that in mind. The three day, I, I don't, man, I, I don't want to bet against the MCU and I don't want to come off as like 
old old guy shouting at clouds, you know. But I think that that Monday gives people a chance to wait on it in a way that they wouldn't. Obviously, if they had to go to work, they had to go to school this Monday, President's Day. But I do think there will be some level of we could see it on Monday. Therefore, I, I'm going under 100 on the three-day. I think it is in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I think the reviews caused some people to say, I could see it next week. I don't have to go opening night. And there's not the promise of like, there's going to be spoilers. There's going to be big cameos. So I think this is one people might not be as motivated at that level for opening weekend. So Clayton, what do you think? We'll go to the expert last on this. So, well, I, I think again, and we got to remember, this is an Ant-Man movie. And I know as much as it says quantum mania, it is an Ant-Man movie. So Mm -hmm. we can't expect it to go crazy over its tracking. And I agree with you. I think this is uh, for the three day. I think this is under a hundred. I'm going to go 96. Okay. And then I'm going to say for the three day, it's going to be for like the four day. One, uh, four day. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm not so sorry. I'm not sorry at all, actually. I just misspoke. 106. Okay. Okay. So it'll creep over it. So, David, you're the guy who knows. You, you've got your finger on the pulse of the MCU audience. Is Quantumania going to go three day over 100 million? I'm going to say it is. I don't yes. think it's going to dip under 100. I am not going to bet against Marvel for this particular movie going under 100. It is a sequel. Sequel. There is a lot of hype around it still. I don't think the last couple of days have been favorable for it, but I don't think it's completely turned a lot of fans away. There is still mm-hmm. a pack of Marvel fans that is very excited for this movie. And just the fact that Jonathan Majors is a pretty hot name in Hollywood. People love Paul Rudd. Um, there hasn't been that much out so far in 2023, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about trends in terms of theater going and people audiences, you know, Hey, the new Marvel movie, it's already open. It, it's president's day weekend and maybe they will go in the three day. So the three day, um, I'm going to have it around one Oh five, uh, which may be high right now. Right. Um, which was kind of low, uh, but I guess now it would be considered high. I think it'll hit there. Um, and then I expect it on President's Day to let's say make twelve, so we'll go uh, one seventeen for the four day. Um, which I love which it. I think one seventeen for the four day will be the biggest propaganda push ever by Disney, and it'll they'll this is a fantastic. Um, I just think yeah. if you look at twenty, with why I'm saying over a hundred, I'm pretty I'm not certain necessarily, but comfortable. I'm happy with my decision here. It's because if you look at 2022, every Marvel movie went well over 100, you know, like, like yeah. I said, I genuinely still believe these Marvel movies, like they've had such big, steep drops from week one to week two. And that still might be the case. That's that's where you get nervous if you're Marvel, because if it does open under 100, like you guys are speculating and still has that like 95 or sorry 65 to 70 percent drop you know or something crazy like that that's right where it's making 30 million in weekend two right that's a bad deal you know so i still think for marvel there is this feeling amongst fans and moviegoers 
let's go see this quickly. There's an urgency to check out these movies. Unlike I would even say with an Avatar or with a Top Gun Maverick, because we just brought those up earlier today. Um, Big hits that had huge legs, where in this movie, what my expectation is, this is going to have a huge Thursday night, huge Friday night, huge Saturday night. And then from there, who knows, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because I think there is still audiences and fans that want to get this thing almost over with, just want to see what's happening. There's such an intrigue, I think, still with Marvel just to know what the next chapter is holding and what's happening next, you know? Um, So I do think it will hit over hundred. I'm going one Oh five and we'll see. I'm it's not trending in the right direction, but I do think it still kind of just, just holds on to over a hundred. I mean, listen, I, I hope so. I, and as you spoke, it did get me excited to not just root for this movie to do over a hundred, but you know, Nat, I kind of want to see it now. I wasn't planning on seeing it this weekend, but I got Monday off from work. You know, I gave the office off from work. I said, I'll take off. You guys take off too. Why not? And maybe I'll just go catch a Monday afternoon showing of Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania. Why not? And it, it does have PLFs. I mean, this is a movie that's going to open in premium formats, which we haven't seen since Avatar, mm-hmm. Way of Water. And uh, I mean, listen, David, I respect you greatly. I think you do a great job. You're very knowledgeable. I am a big fan of Paul Rudd. Peyton Reed, he's a guy who's done some good work previously. He did some funny music videos, really tapped into that New York alt comedy scene back in the 90s. But I will never see this movie. Wow. But that doesn't okay. mean <laughs> that I'm not rooting for its success. Yeah. Because I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I, I want to be wrong in the right way, which is to go under on something. Yeah. Right. Right. And and every hero needs a foil. So we also have been playing foil to David here. And I hope the hero wins in the end because <laughs> 106, I'd love to report Monday night. David was right. David came out on top. This movie did 106, did a 117 opening weekend. And the theaters are just a wash in cash. That that would be the, the story we want to tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope so too. And I, I mean, Here's the thing, right? I'm the Marvel guy coming on this podcast. I try to be pretty even on these movies, you know, try to be objective. Obviously, I am a fan first. Like, I, I'm i very much so rooting for them because I loved it in the era of, like, Phase 3 with Captain America Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame. Where, like, everyone was going to see these movies. And it was just the water cooler talk of the town. It, it owned, you know, the cinemas. Even though there were so many other movies coming out at that time, you know, pre-pandemic, I want that back. I'm not sure Ant-Man might get it there, but it is a stepping stone in that direction. And look, my biggest thing kind of hanging out of this podcast today is in the future, I think this is going to have a good opening weekend. It's going to be successful. It's going to be deemed a success, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to have legs. I really genuinely don't see this thing having legs, especially because there is actual competition now. And most people, you know, like like Pat and Clayton, you're never going to see it. But like Pat's going to see it maybe this Monday, but by next weekend, he's going to forget about it. <laughs> you know, yes. it's like I will forget about this it. long weekend. But if he doesn't, oh, well, maybe I'll catch the next one or some other people, maybe not you. Or I'll catch it on Disney Plus in a few months. That's the other wrinkle in all of this. Right. It was moviegoers right. that 
know that all these MCU movies are going to be heading to streaming in a few months, and I'll just watch it then. I'll be able to pause it. I'll be able to go to the bathroom. I'll be able to make my own popcorn, not spend the mood, like not have to go out, get a babysitter and just watch it from my home. That's a big factor in this too. So we'll see. Um, I do still think that Marvel opening weekend has that effect and has that kind of people crawling and wondering what is happening next, not wanting to be spoiled, but by weekend two, oh, I'm nervous for it. I, I'm genuinely yeah. It's gonna because well, I mean, there has to be there has to be a quality film there that stands by itself outside of the Easter eggs and the surprises. That is what Marvel needs to do. Is like we said previously, and Pat, you said it earlier. Is like you've got to allocate your talent to the movies, right? You have to stop just giving every Rick and Morty writer a, a shot at a, a, a script, right? You gotta stop going for super artsy people or just like sitcom director hacks, which listen, the Russo brothers, it's worked they have, they, they, that worked for them. But I don't, I think that is like lightning hit those guys. And like, I just don't think that it's going to work going forward. So they need to get top talent to make legitimate movies that have beginnings and endings and additionally connect that is what because that's going to bring people back to the theater the second time and the third time and bring friends is if it's an actual good film. And one thing I want to add to that, too, that's been was very interesting. James Gunn, when he announced the new DC slate, he said something that really stuck out to me was that we are not going to green light or go into production of any project until the script is fully written. Which seems so obvious, but this is coming from a director who's worked at Marvel since 2014, and he knows what it is. He's seen it with his own eyes, and we can see it. If Did any of you guys see Black Adam by chance? I did watch it uh, the day it dropped on HBO. <laughs> it it was, and we're not critics, huh? Huh. It was one of the worst films I've seen in this in this overall over over overall sometimes there's words you read but you don't say and that's one of them anyway it was a very bad superhero movie in my and opinion. in the third act oeuvre it's oeuvre oeuvre there was no third act of the film like they didn't know what to do they just made him fight some cgi monster like it's unbelievable yes. some of the pro- and that would that stuck out to me so much because you see it so often where the third part just or the third act just disappears. It doesn't exist. There, there, or there is no third act. There was, if you guys remember the old, not old, but the middling, I would say, Fantastic Four movie, uh, Fan Four Stick with Miles Teller. That movie missed, didn't have a second act. The movie literally mm. 45 minutes in, I was like, this movie's awesome. It doesn't have a second act and then just cuts to the third act and the movie ends. So I think with the superhero movies, they get so excited about telling a story and introducing characters and like beginning a franchise or a dynasty that it's exactly what Clayton said. They don't tell a story, <laughs> you know, they don't tell a beginning, right. middle and end. And I think I haven't seen the movie yet. Quantumania, based on everything I've seen, has some struggles and it's not going to be one of those deals where everyone's saying you've got to go see the new Marvel movie. It's going to say, right, right. hey, if you really want to, or wait for Disney Plus, Jonathan Majors is good, Paul Rudd's funny, but it's not that feeling of, wow, you've got to go see this. Oh my gosh, 
it felt like I was underwater for three hours watching Avatar. Like it was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. Go see it in the most premium screen you can find. Notice how much they've mm-hmm. been also, by the way, after Avatar promoting 3D formats for Ant-Man. Uh, premium mm-hmm. formats, such a big factor, a variable in all of this box office talk. And I know that Ant-Man's trying to do that, but it's never going to reach the potential and the heights of way of water because that movie truly was made for premium formats where i think ant-man has been uprezzed or kind of like reformatted to be made on such things but it wasn't truly made for that i think ant-man's quality in terms of the effects will be just as visually vibrant it might be more interesting on imax like which i plan on seeing it on than at home but it's going to be similar like i never plan on watching an avatar movie at home ever because right. that, no. that takes all this, the magic away from it, which is why I love that movie so much as a theater movie going lover. It's like, this is awesome. This is truly made for the cinema. And I do think Marvel is missing that a little bit and probably will miss it a little bit here uh, with Quantumania. Well, hopefully Avatar gives them a little kick in the pants to, you know, uh, to, to do better with these effects yeah. and with the visualizations, because you are going to have a lot of audience who within the last three months have seen avatar on the big screen. And then they see this and they'd be more critical now than they would have been a year ago, seeing Thor love and thunder or Dr. Strange, because now they've, they've seen the heights that this type of movie could go. You mentioned David, you're seeing it in IMAX. What is, are you seeing this tomorrow night? You know, as if we're recording on Wednesday, this comes out Thursday. Are you seeing it on preview night on Friday night? What is your plan for quantum mania? You know me earliest screening possible, uh, 6 PM Eastern uh, IMAX yes. Thursday night. Yes. Uh, I'll be there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And, uh, me and shameless plug, uh, me and Matt will be dropping a review of it, both spoiler free and spoilers as we go through the review. Uh, Friday morning for the direct podcast, reviewing the whole thing, diving right in. So if anyone listening to this checks out the movie over the weekend, go check out that podcast because we're going to be we're going to be discussing it and seeing if it was actually any good or not. Um, And I'm very excited to finally have other than a box office opinion, a real opinion on this thing, because my level of interest has almost risen because of the terrible critic score, because it's so rare Uh with Marvel. And I don't really trust Rotten Tomatoes at all. And I think Rotten Tomatoes is, it's not, I don't know if it's biased, but it seems to almost follow trends where I feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp, I didn't love as a movie, but it had like a pretty high score. And I think it was almost riding off the coattails of Infinity War. And like people had these rose tinted glasses about it. And now because people are kind of going the opposite way and are being more critical of Marvel and phase four and now going into phase five, it's more fun to maybe shit on it. um, And more like- People welcome that. It might get more clicks. I don't know. I'm just speculating here, not conspiracy oh, corner, but uh, correct. I think that is part of the, it. The critical body works like Wall Street in that they all move in a direction based on a whim or a whiff of something that, I mean, you can see how Netflix fell from grace. Netflix is still super successful. It's the same thing with Marvel. It's just the critical body now knows it's cool to shit on the movies that they would have given, you know, A's to and thumbs up to and whatever aggregating scale that they go by. So I do think you can't really, I mean, you can never trust critics, but especially in this occasion, you can't. And and listen, they're all seeing these movies together in screenings. And 
human behavior is infectious, you know? Yeah. So you start getting some sneers, you start getting some smirks and some sighs in these critic screenings, and it spreads. And then they all take a cue from whoever the alpha critic is in the room. And if that mm-hmm. alpha critic is turned on Marvel at a screening, then, you know, the the other critics will follow suit. So, th- listen, it's... It's 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 all it's not a scam. Obviously, critics are, are people, too. But I think that when you start to see the Marvel movie trends going downwards, it's not only the quality. I think that's part of it. But there is a like we've said, a cool factor or a, a infectiousness with these reviews. Um, last thing on this weekend preview, we talked about what we all assume will be the number one movie this weekend. There is one other movie oh, opening this weekend. It. Liam Neeson in a movie called Marlowe. It is a adaptation of uh, a Raymond Chandler novel, one of his, his famous character, the detective Philip Marvel, uh, Marlowe. On the direct podcast, David, do you and your co-host, aside from covering the MCU, the uh, DC movies, do you ever touch on the universe of Philip Mar- uh, Marlowe? Is that part of what your fans expect? No, so I will say we have this tagline, everything you need to know about the universes you love. And uh, Marlowe doesn't quite make the cut. I, I, I can't lie. Okay. <laughs> if your tagline was everything you need to know about the universes that you maybe have possibly heard of through your dad or your grandpa, then you would cover this Philip Marlowe movie. Yeah. But it's not a universe that your fans love. Not yet. Um, uh, well, Pat, I'll tell you, this yeah. movie already opened. It opened on Wednesday, supposedly. Wow. So it opened today, day of recording. Um, this is an open roads film, which is the distribution uh, uh, company that releases now most of Liam Neeson's actioners. This seems like a very quiet movie compared to the the Liam Neeson actioners we've gotten. Well, it's uh, more old-timey. Yeah, it's more old-timey. Uh, Clayton, do we have any idea on what a theater count for this could be? Is this getting 2,000 theaters plus, or is this a sub-1,000 release? Um. Well, it's... Jeez. Because it feels uh, like this is obviously going to cry macho, but I don't want to... Uh, I don't think it can even do that because I know it's opening wide, but it's not even when you look at the number and not the numbers, I'm sorry, box office pro, it's not even on their forecast. Yeah, I can't find any theater count for this. I mean, it's opening weekend range on. Yeah, so they actually do mention it. It's sub 1.5 million is what they're saying for a whole opening weekend. Yeah, let's throw out this final prediction can Marla, we, we, we were predicting whether Quantumania cracks 100 million. Do we think Marlo cracks $1 million? No, I think it's Armageddon time for Marlo. Wow. I think we're looking at in the 800 uh, thousands. Wow. What about you, David? I saw you shake your head. Do you want to give an official Marlo? Does it crack $1 million? They know, and I'll go 750,000. Wow. Wow, nice. Um, All right, Liam. I'm gonna I'm gonna go no also because I think the audience for that is being served by this man called Otto, and they're being served by eighty for Brady. Mm-hmm. So I think the oldsters already got there. You know, it's not it's not a one for one because neither of those are detective films, but I think the audience that would see Marlowe 
has enough stuff to go see. Not being able to find a theater count, I've been looking feverishly the last two minutes, is a concern. <laughs> I really don't know how yeah. many theaters is going to be in. Yeah, it's it's kind of frightening. It's it's like uh, what I imagine a parent who doesn't know where their kid is late at night. That's the feeling you get when you can't find a theater count for a new release. Uh, it, it's kind of terrifying. So yeah, under a million, we're all in agreement. Um, yeah, I don't think we have to predict the top five because honestly, we know Ant-Man's number one and then other stuff will uh, fall in around that. Well, speaking of, because we've been effing it and doing it live on boxes, box office pro, they're calling puss in boots. The last wish as the number two movie, they think that's going to jump all the way over magic, Mike avatar 80 for Brady, the Titanic re-release, which is still going, which we did not know, but it is going. And of course, knock on the cabin. So that's big. I mean, that would be by huge. The, by the end of this four day weekend, Box Office Pro is saying that this is going to be at 167 Puss in Boots. Wow. So it's probably going to be close to that. So this thing is still churning and churning. And yes, the puss is still not on the cock. Thank God. Do not put that movie on Peacock until the theatrical run is totally finished. Uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance was the number one movie last weekend, made 8.3. This is going to fall off a total cliff. Oh, plummet. I could see a 70% drop. I could see this movie ending up at like $2 million. Really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. it's uh, it, it was a one weekend event. You know, it was almost a fathom event. The super fans of which, hey, I went out to see this opening weekend. Um, I think the this was an FTF for the fans movie. Everyone who wanted to see it, I think, went opening weekend. I don't think there's much of a casual audience left for this franchise. So it made 8.3. I think it makes under $3 million this weekend. I think it maybe even makes low twos. So wow. That would be gross. So, I mean, listen. Quantumania is going to rule the roost. Uh, it's yes. just how, uh, you know, how big of a gorilla is it going to be? Yeah. So that said, you already uh, talked about, but anything else that you want to let our listeners know about the direct podcast or anything else that you're up to, David, where else should the BO, the wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people, people uh, find you Sure. Uh, Twitter at David Thompson. That's with two A's in the David. Um, yeah. The direct podcast, me and my co-host Matt Rimke, Everything you need to know about the universes you love, uh, which really for like us, that counts as Marvel, Star Wars, DC, and we branch out a little bit more. So, you know, we write for the direct.com. Go check that out. I write for the direct.com. I do a lot of business articles, you know, that focus on less of the, you know, theorizing about what Kang's next, next move would be and more about, you know, kind of the, the box office or, you know, the business side of things, you know, how things are operating, why they may release this on Disney Plus then instead of here, things like that. So uh, go check out my writing there uh, for the direct podcast uh, reviews typically post on Fridays for movies such as Ant-Man, um, but mainstay episodes week by week are on Monday morning. So check that out if you're into Marvel, Star Wars, DC, all that good stuff. We got you covered. Um, it's a great show. We have a lot of drafts and fun games and good guests and things like that. So uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me today. It's been, it's been a great time. I think there's a lot of 
a lot of oh. mental unpacking I had today in terms of Ant-Man. And I feel very prepared not only to see this tomorrow now, um, but also to be let down when it's at like 98 million on Sunday. But we'll see. <laughs> I'm listen. We're rooting for you. I want to play the be the villain who gets thwarted at the end of this weekend. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, well, thank you for joining us, David. Of course, everyone, rate and review the direct podcast, five stars on Apple Podcasts, and rate and review the BO Boys, five stars at Apple Podcasts. Write us emails at the BO Boys podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear what you thought of Quantum Mania. We know a lot of our listeners are going to see it this weekend. Subscribe on youtube and smash smash that like button below right down there it's somewhere down there so smash that like button and subscribe and uh yeah i think that is is everything clayton well I think pat you don't it. you have another podcast i do i always forget thank you for always reminding me clayton i have another podcast called the show me the money on the sports gambling podcast network i co-host with nick turner of course who was a comedy box office star in the summer of 2020. And the two of us are uh, taking listeners on the gambling road to the Academy Awards. This weekend is the BAFTA Awards. So on our current episode, we gave our predictions for the BAFTAs, who you should gamble on and what that could mean for the Oscars. So listen to the Show Me the Money on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Gambling problem? Call one eight seven seven eight hope and y That's one eight seven seven eight hope and y four six seven three six nine. David, do you have a gambling problem? I do not. Great, good I for do. you. Great, you don't have to call that number. And honestly, nope. did who did you know, no one has to call it? No number. one, don't call it if you don't want to. Yeah, um, life is so, so short. Yeah, you can't be calling all these hotlines. So yeah. I think now we've done it, Clayton. We have definitely done it. I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except until next time. We'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it. Nailed it. This so the, is all of our Star Wars. The MCU is our Star Wars. Oh, it's no, not I your mean, Star Wars. No, but the Has Fallen movies are my Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> the has fallen. London has fallen. Coming soon. Also probably going to make a dent in the BO. And yeah. Also on my team for the Fantasy Box Office League. Angel, of Angel has, fallen. has fallen. Angel, of course, referring to uh, Air Force One. So are you going to cry, Clayton, during Angel has fallen? Oh, yeah. Uh, as soon as Gerard Butler comes on, I'm going to start bawling because... He's my Captain America. <laughs> <laughs>